This is the Mind Body Health Show with host Dr. Marvin Trotter speaking with the Executive Director of Ford Street, Jackie Williams. Good morning. Good morning. So we're going to have an interesting show this morning talking about opportunities for the county to make things better uh, for our community. So i first like to ask, uh, how did Jackie Williams get to Mendocino County? Oh, um, my! upon uh, retiring from uh, Hewlett-Packard, my daughter had moved um, to Redwood Valley. And so we were back and forth and decided, why not join her? So we moved up. So tell me about Hewlett-Packard, because that sounds like quite a transition. It was a... <laughs> Yes, Hewlett Packard. My Hewlett Packard Agilent career was 33 years, and um, my last job was really demanding. I managed a global team, so I, I felt like I'd been working 24/7 for two or three years. So, uh, moving to Mendocino County was just the cultural shift I was looking for. So then, you, how did you become executive director for Ford Street? When I moved up here, I joined the board of the Ukiah Community Center, and that you know that's what we think of as the food bank. And and you know those in those days we were facing a recession, and it looks like both the Ukiah Community Center and Ford Street were going to really um, go through some financially challenging times. And so the two boards, the Ford Street Board and the Community Center Board, met. And and try mainly it was kind of uh, the first conversation was what are you going to do what are you going to do, and we realized we probably needed to reduce cost, consolidate programs, and um and so I applied uh, left the board and then applied to be the the ED of the combination. So literally what we did was simply unify the two boards, and then started working together. So I want you to say something really happy about the food bank kaching <laughs> i mean i um i feel like the that my team at the food bank and i are overwhelmed with the generosity of the community and um you know we we will you know we have already received over $159,000 with our goal being 100,000 and there's still checks coming in and so um I, I think food costs, everyone understands that. And I expected, uh, you know, that the con community would continue to be generous, but this one kind of took our breath away. And how many families do you serve through the food bank? I don't have a count of families. It, it's kind of like we consistently serve um, th this kind of the same number of seniors, disabled people, and families. And so those numbers get mm -hmm. kind of mulled together. I can say that our numbers of people that are elderly and, and disabled remains pretty constant. Um, and that as the economics of the community uh, kind of seems to how the families that come fluctuate. So, so during tough times, we see more more families. So we're going to talk this morning about our tax dollars and Measure M. Can you discuss Measure M? And you mean Measure B? Measure B. I'm sorry. You're trying to trick me, Mark. I know Measure B. <laughs> uh, can you talk about Measure B and and what we voted on for a few years ago? Yes. Um, 
for those of for those of you just a, a quick refresher measure B was um, the community's affirmation that we needed to invest in um, behavioral health services you know uh, for the seriously mentally ill and and that we needed money for infrastructure we needed um, the ability to have programs here locally for people and the community said yes to that and so the uh, the initiative passed with the understanding that predominantly the dollars would be spent um, to to provide a puff unit, a crisis residential unit, and and I'm happy to report that those commitments um, have been delivered or are in the process of being delivered. Uh, Dr. Miller uh, could do a much better job than I at giving you the update on that. And so the other the other suggestion was that a small portion, like 10% of the money raised, could be used for substance um, abuse treatment. And so that that's the part I would like uh, to talk about today. And just for everybody to understand, the PUF unit is a psychiatric facility and the crisis resource center that's been built um, near Social Security and the DMV is trying to give that short-term psychiatric help uh, rather than people going out of town. It's very expensive for the county and just resources to send someone on a 5150 for three days out of town, which usually doesn't work that well. So having a local option of a PUF unit, a psychiatric unit that's going in on down by the gym, um, um, the Ukiah, um, the swimming pool, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and the crisis unit uh, hopefully will keep people in town, be less expensive, and be much more effective. Um, I think it's a five-year commitment of half a million dollars a month in tax money, 90% of which has gone to the psychiatric stuff. So we'd like to talk about the 10% and what we think the 10% of Measure B money should go for. Um, so... Uh, Tell you what, what would what would what would Ford Street and the, including the community, I think, would like to see done with that ten percent of the money. Yes, I think what what the the way I think of this is um, when we made those determinations, and and those determinations were done by a needs assessment done by the the Kemper. A consulting group, um, we had not seen the opioid crisis. And so, you know, the 10% was, I think, a, a really healthy, good idea at that time. But since that time, our community has faced um, some real excruciating pain associated with deaths due to uh, opioid overdose. And go ahead. No, and I, I want the community to understand that. Um, the opiate uh, problem in Encino County is severe. We're number two in the state for 2021 for opiate deaths per population. 75 people died in 2021 um, from opiate deaths, number two in the state of California. And with the numbers for 2022, we're probably number one in the state for opiate deaths. So I want you all to think about how many families and people that touches and why we're here trying to do something uh, to stop that. Thank, thank you, Dr. Trotter. I, I, I think I want to personalize this before I talk about my solution. Um, at the at the recovery center, um, at the Ukiah Recovery Center, which is is the pro, the residential treatment program uh, operated by Ford Street, 
um, we often get calls of, from family members that are struggling to find help for uh, an addicted family member. Um, and you know, at, when we're dealing with adults, adults have to choose to come to treatment or admit they need help. But listening to the impact on families, um, uh, the, the amount of times that the person has nearly overdosed and just because the family has Narcan, they, they can save them. I mean, this, this, is, a, um, this is a crisis. Um, and I don't think it's um, you know, kind of swamped out by other crises. I think it was a crisis in the middle of COVID too, but we were, we were you know, stretched with all the other issues we were working on. So I think this deserves some focus now. And I do believe that um, Narcan has been an, a blessing, but I like to say that you know, Narcan is like throwing a life preserver to a drowning person. Um, that's, it saves their life. Um, and Narcan does save lives, but we need to help folks get their, their lives back together, overcome addiction so they can live full lives. Get them out of the ocean. Yeah. And personally, my wife's uh, cousin just died of an overdose of fentanyl um, uh, in Ukiah. And 30-year-old young man, sharp, nice, and 75% of the people are dying from fentanyl overdoses which is 100 times stronger than morphine. And I want you to know that morphine's pretty damn strong. Um, and it's a terrible addiction. And along with that, we're being swamped by methamphetamines, which used to be made from Sudafed, but since 2016, you can make a 1,000 pounds at a time, principally in Mexico, with all sorts of um, ingredients. It's called P2P now and is much more dangerous than prior methamphetamines. Uh, last month there was seven admissions uh, to different hospitals in Mendocino County just for um, methamphetamine cardiomyopathy. You're, they're killing their hearts every time they use methamphetamines. So I just want the public to understand that I don't know that there's uh, many families that aren't touched by alcohol and drugs and we're desperately trying to find a way out. So, so the the um, the recovery center can play a role in this in this solution, and I think we need a community um, effort to kind of look at how the impact and 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 solutions. But the recovery center has been working on an expansion plan since we became a drug medical provider. So. As drug medical providers, people who are qualified for medical with a drug dependency are typically eligible to come into treatment at, at the treatment facility. As soon as that happened, we started seeing um, that we were going to need to um, be able to serve more people. So we started working on the expansion. And the, so that means that Ford Street is a partnership health plan provider. And the first um, agency that invested in us was Partnership Health Plan. They gave us $350,000 to figure out how we could optimize our site, how we could serve more people in a most effective way. Because there isn't a lot of residential treatment options, you know, north of Sonoma County. Um, that, that resulted in us developing a plan that we've been working toward that was disrupted by the o opioid um, a crisis, but we're we're back on track and have been able to receive 
or were awarded um, over $3 million to help us build an additional treatment building that we need. That That's for group rooms and one-on-one -on -one spaces, office spaces. And so we are hoping um, that our current facility that um, is, is a dorm, dormitory for uh, treatment, um, that we can use our existing sober living beds as just um, what most folks call detox, what we call withdrawal management now. Again, we need to fast track people who say they need help. Um, we need to fast track them into treatment and to do that we need more detox beds. So we came up with this proposal but it literally would result in us losing our sober living beds and uh, for those of you that um, don't know much about Ford Street and what we do, we've always taken the position that a person, um, half the people that come into treatment are unhoused and unemployed. So helping them achieve um, uh, sobriety is an enormous accomplishment and something to be proud of. But if they have no place to live or maintain their, themselves, it, it's, it's, it's a disappointment. So we try to help people with sober living along with the treatment profile. So I would like to um, get in here. You know, being an ER doctor for a long time, somebody comes in with um, obvious uh, terrible intoxication, uh, we're in the emergency department. You treat them for 8 or 12 hours with phenobarbital or Ativan and different medications. Uh, you get them stabilized, but that's just the starting of the race. Um, so if you get them, uh, we now are getting people moved from the ER um, or the hospital to Ford Street, and they can detox there for several days. That's great, but if you look at the statistics for successful sobriety after that is pretty damn low. The big game changer, I think, is the drug Medi-Cal now. will pay for up to 90 days for someone to be at Ford Street if you're on Medi-Cal. 90 days is a whole lot better than six days. And what we're trying to do is get to where people can stay there for up to six months. Because the, the solution to the problem, I think, is sobriety and therapy. It's not methadone. It's not 16 detox trips uh, to the ER, but literally changing the the patient's life. So I'll go back to Jackie and try to tell her why we think the Measure B money with the state money and the city of Ukiah has given us a half a million dollars to make a significant change in the community. That the the city of Ukiah money is a, a promise if we land the other money. Okay, all right. <laughs> but I'm hopeful okay. for that. But I, I think that the important part about the the city of Ukiah's a willingness to contribute is, I think because we are the treatment facilities located in the city of Ukiah, the city of Ukiah really understands the value of a treatment facility and probably just because they have just closer, more exposure and interface with us. So I do appreciate their support. One of the things that I think um, is important to understand is that it addiction is a relapsing situation. And so there are times that people uh, come and we help them with detox and they may leave as soon as they start feeling better. And there, you know, we don't,
chase anybody or <laughs> down. So they again, they have to want to uh, to be there. After they've been there a while, and sometimes it takes two or three times, they will ask uh, for help. When somebody reaches the point where they're asking for help is when we want to have the bed ready. And so that's what this whole pitch is about, is we'd like to increase our capacity so we can be able to help people as they um, ask for help. And right now, um, the need has outgrown our current capacity. There's just not another way to say it. I, I think the other thing that um, we learned during COVID is those the, the ER is a precious resource in this community. And um, having people um, able to detox at Ford Street and not take up space uh, in the ER helps everyone um, who may need the ER. So again, it's about working together in a coordinated fashion, helping people as best we can. And I think um, the understanding that people can overcome addiction, it's possible, but as Dr. Trotter said, it takes some time. Depending on the, the length of time the people have been using and how dramatically um, the results of that use have, have changed their lives and relationships, it may take time. And um, we're, we're happy to report that it's absolutely possible, but you know, as, as Dr. Trotter said, often somebody that comes with a severe addiction is in treatment for 90 days, then moves into sober living for 30, 40 days, they, they begin to, um, to work, they can go back to school, um, look for housing, and we help with all those things. Um, I think once folks go through the significant change that comes with overcoming an addiction, um, having a, a core set of folks that are familiar with the effort and the energy they've invested in themselves continuing to help them really helps us uh, keep people on on the sobriety path. I also think that, you know, uh, when, when I began this effort, MAP treatment was not as common as it is now. And so, again, we do have options that we didn't have before, but understanding what's best for you know the folks we serve is usually something we work with physicians on. So I'll, I'll try to paint a picture of what I hope will be the um, dream here. Um, if uh, the state of California has given us three and a half million dollars, and if the county gives us the 10% of the Measure B money, which is about $3 million, then the city would contribute a half million dollars of their drug money. We will be able to vastly improve the size and function of Ford Street. We'll go from six to 16 detox beds, refurbish eight of the women's uh, living spaces, and have 22 new uh, living spaces for men. So the dream here is you come in the emergency room, you're at the jail, you're in the hospital, you call up Ford Street. The idea, or be referred from MCHC, uh, 
the idea is that you detox. Once you're detox, we can put you on Suboxone, which is an excellent drug for opiate addiction. It binds to your brain where fentanyl binds to the brain, but it binds much stronger. So you can take all the opiates you want to, but you're not going to get high. So you're on Suboxone if necessary, but now you do your 60 to 90 days of drug Medi-Cal, which the state pays for, and then you're admitted to one of the uh, sober living units. So now you've completed four to six months of, of sober living. You're working at the food bank or whatever, and you've gotten therapy. That is a solution for making a change in people's lives and decreasing the number of deaths, overdoses, uh, drunk in public, homelessness, and there's a huge need for this. And I think we can probably serve a 1,000 people over 10 years doing this uh, several months of sobriety and therapy. And that's the, uh, the dream I'm looking for, and directly admitting people to Ford Street from the jail and the hospital. Thank, thank you, Dr. Trotter. I, I think that's what I mean when I say uh, we can, if, if we invest these funds in a treatment program so we can begin to assist people and kind of meet them where they are and help them on their sobriety journey um, this could be a, a lasting sol solution I, I also feel like it's important to acknowledge that when people don't have the support after they complete a uh, uh, alcohol and drug treatment program, it's really, really difficult for them to to succeed. Or even if they succeed, the struggle is immense. Many of them are starting over and may be estranged from family. Family may be where the drug use began. They're estranged from lifelong friends. I mean, they are they are literally in the world in a different way than they were before. And it, it's, it's an enormous effort and deserves our support. As taxpayers, I hope folks realize when we don't make investments like this and we aren't able to help people, that these, these situations deteriorate to the point where we impact, as Dr. Trotter said, the, the police department, the sheriff's department, the jail, mental health services. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, sad, um, a sad decline. And I, I do think because the um, death due to opioid overdose is, is alarming people that, that I want people to understand this is something that there are solutions for. It just, we just need to expand our capacity so we can begin to, to take a run and shot at it. So you would think um, being an ER doc and hospitalist and ICU doc for the last 25 years, I would have a good idea of the extent of the problem. But I didn't. Uh, the last couple, three years, I've been the doctor for utilization management. So there's 60,000 Medi-Cal patients in Lake Mendocino, Lake and Mendocino County. And the state gives Adventist Hospital money every month to pay for their hospitalizations. So if you're on Medi-Cal, you come in for your appendectomy or your C-section or your leukemia treatment, uh, whatever, it's paid for out of this money, and it's sort of like a Kaiser-type system. Uh, almost $50 million a year, two years ago, last year, um, 
goes to hospitalizations of these 60,000 patients for drug and alcohol problems, meaning you were drunk and you had a car wreck and three people were severely injured. You blew up something and now you have terrible burns and you're over at UC Davis. You're in heart failure. I'll give you an example of a clinical patient I was very pleased with and helped Ford Street made a big difference. 42-year-old gentleman from Hoplin, methamphetamines. He comes in with congestive heart failure. His heart is only squeezing a quarter of its normal amount from methamphetamines. He's in the hospital for 12 days. Three days he was uh, in the ICU uh, on a ventilator to breathe for him. So after 12 days in the hospital, he was admitted to Ford Street. He stayed there 90 days. Um, he got his act together. He has now moved out of Hopland, living with different family members in Ukiah. He is uh, going to therapy at Ford Street as an outpatient three times a week. It's been six or ten months now, and he's got had the aha moment, as Ryan uh, <laughs> or Faye told me at Ford Street, that there is a life without drugs. And this aha moment, being an 18-year-old girl who's been uh, sold as a sex object in Santa Rosa as a teenager, you have no idea the number of people that have... Uh, mental trauma as children which have led to their alcohol and drug problems. I think that Jackie said, you know, a lot of people have a moral view of all this but um, if you had lived their lives as children, you would have a different view. Maybe you should talk about that. Yeah, I think I think that's, that's, that's a good point, Marvin. It, one of the things that I like to look at is I looked at the people we've served since we became drug medical providers. And I and one of the pieces of information that we're to collect on everybody to report to the state is age of first use. Th that number on those folks is really um, interesting. H as you would expect, half of the people were 17, 18 when they began using. The other half were what we would call children. They were not 18. And if you look at that population, half of that population was 8 to 12. That means drugs are available, accessible, at, before the age of reason. And so to uh, assess these folks as uh, that addiction is a moral failing and they brought it on themselves, I, you know, I, I want to soften people's hearts to the reality that some of these folks' lives have been shaped by really unfortunate situations and that have resulted in trauma that they've chose to medicate themselves with alcohol and drugs. And again, we can help them with that. There's another part of the community, uh, Dr. Trotter, that I feel like we need to acknowledge, and that's uh, NA and AA. That after folks attain sobriety and, and kind of start their new path, I'm so pleased to say that there's so many folks in our community dedicated to the recovery community that um, it that is a, it's almost like invisible um, secret helpfulness that's out there for folks on this journey that I, I think is Im important to acknowledge. I would have anybody go to AA. It's amazing the community and support you can get through AA. Even if you're a teenager, you can get a sponsor. It can make the whole difference. And I think that going to the AA meetings um, on a weekly basis uh, 
is your community therapy um, that isn't paid for by government. Uh, it's uh, a great institution, does a lot of good. I'd like to take two moments to talk to people about how I feel uh, the kid thing is. I think we should have the best elementary schools in the world. I think we should have soccer fields at every elementary school. I think we should have after-school programs, which the Boys and Girls Club at the Alex Rohrbach Center, uh, we're doing a great job. I think the schools now and the city of Ukiah is running the after-school programs at the elementary schools. I would argue that that's where we should put our prevention dollars. This isn't all about, um, we have to look at this at two ways therapy and prevention and I think the prevention um, you wouldn't believe it if you look at fortune 500 um, board of supervisors for fortune 500 companies 83 percent of the women on those boards um, practiced um, high school sports junior high and high school sports 91 percent of the CEOs of fortune 500 uh, companies that are female uh, did competitive sports in school and my argument is with obesity, diabetes, drug use, et cetera, uh, we need to do more with our elementary schools who are working very hard to provide excellent education. But I think the community um, and the schools, we have to do, I just don't understand why we don't have um, better paid teachers and more um, better after school programs. I'll quit preaching for a moment and give it back to Jackie. <laughs> Actually, I kind of like that one. Um, yeah, I just think uh, that if if you see the folks that have um, participated in what we call family dependency drug court, um, these are folks whose addiction may have led to um, criminal behavior that resulted in their children being detained. And so they they participate in a program to um, to get things back on track. Um, the housing that we provide at Ford Street for, for families, um, we're, we're fortunate that we have several um, graduates of that program. And I think those folks are the highest advocates of what Dr. Trotter's talking about. They'll tell you if, you know, I had nothing to do. My older brother was using, I just used with him too. I mean, I had nothing to do. We didn't, you know, we, we just, we, we just didn't have sports. We didn't have band. We didn't have some of the things that some of us older people had. So any kind of enrichment and engagement, um, activities, I think is, 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 as Dr. Trotter says, prevention that we need to pay attention to. And I guess I want to raise up uh, hope in our hearts that for the addicted, there there are solutions. Um, and um, it's cobbled together right now, and we need more capacity, but there are solutions. So I'd like to just say what the purpose of education of the, the show, but also what we're asking the public to do is to support um, the county of Mendocino giving to Ford Street 10% of the Measure B money, which will be matched with the state money and the city money and dramatically improve uh, and increase the number of beds available to treat drug addiction in our community, uh, getting people off the street, et cetera, et cetera. But that 10% is crucial it's $3 million 
that matches the state's three and a half million dollars to dramatically increase the detox and the uh, sober living apartments uh, at Ford Street. Um, and because of this, I'll tell you that the head of UVMC, uh, Mr. Layton, the head of MCHC, uh, Mr. Granger, AA, the behavioral health doctor for the county of Mendocino, the emergency room, um, the uh, Yuki Trails, the Native American um, clinic in Covalo, they all want this to happen. This isn't just some let's do Ford Street a favor and give them money. The county of Mendocino, the people that are providing care on a medical and psychological basis in the clinics, the jail, the hospital, the ER, they all want to see this happen. And hopefully we'll have a community support to make this happen when the supervisors decide what to do with the money. So tell us the connection about the Ford Street and the food bank. Oh, so the... the um the food bank has always been um, a place for when folks are trying, they're in sober living, they're trying to f find work. And I have to say, we're fortunate in Mendocino County. There's several employers that um, are anxious to support people in recovery, especially if they know they're living in sober living and they're, they're still participating uh, in outpatient. And so... Um, if if not everything else fails and the person uh, can't find a job, we ask that they volunteer at the food bank just to get busy. Okay, and we have our first call. Good morning, call. You're live on the air. Hi. Um, I'm just wondering how many board-certified addiction medicine specialists are on staff or involved and what they think about the project, and I'll take my answer off Great. the did, did we lose him yet? I... <laughs> We did. Okay. Okay. So, so f let me try. I may I may miss the mark on this one, caller. So you may have to call back. Ford Street is ASAM three point one and three point two, which means that we're a social detox model. And again, we we are we are not licensed or certified to provide treatment. Um, alcohol and drug treatment to people with serious mental illness. Okay, I think that's one thing people say all the time. We have another call. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, good morning, and thank you for the show. Uh, nice to hear from uh, Marvin Trotter and Jackie Williams. Uh, I, uh, my name's Larry, and I am a recovering alcoholic. I don't use my last name because we're not, we're anonymous, not the program. Uh, and I'm also part of um, a, some of the groups of people that Jackie mentioned uh, from AA that um, uh, participate in, in something no, better known as Hospitals and Institution Committee of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we do uh, have meetings uh, all over the place, wherever we're welcome to come into. And uh, you had mentioned uh, the young people, and um, I certainly can attest to what uh, Marvin was uh, saying about the young people and uh, their need for some direction. Um, we used to be able to go into juvenile hall, and uh, sometime before COVID hit, um, the rules were changed, and uh, the, our entire approach uh, to uh, meeting with the young people was, was changed in a way that it would kind of denigrated our services, our ability to reach those young people. And uh, I would very much like an opportunity for I and uh, 
uh, perhaps some other uh, people, especially the chairperson current for H and I, to be able to meet with the uh, um, juvenile uh, judge, uh, so that we can perhaps pr- uh, repair uh, the uh, system that's in place right now. Um, it, 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 what happened was that, uh, not because of COVID, but before COVID, there were some uh, things that were changed about us uh, vetting our own people to go in so we'd have somebody new to share their experience, as we do with all the other meetings. And that made it hard for us to bring in new voices, new faces, and uh, the problem was that the thank, person... That thank you very over, much. I, I yeah, think, sure. Um, I think the important point is how do we reach the young people better? I, I can't tell you the number of people that are juveniles that um, have problems in high school and junior high smoking marijuana, and once you don't care about anything else besides smoking dope, it's uh, tough to go from there. One other point uh, I wanted to make was the Sun people at the at the hospitals. Um, there's the. Why don't you discuss the Sun people so, at so, the hospitals, Marianne? Right. Yeah. So we have a, a group, a team. Um, that's provided by Adventist, uh, managed by Marianne Gould, that are substance use navigators. And so they literally are in the ER um, observing um, what's going on because there are folks, again, struggling with addiction in the ER that that um, the navigators are in a better position to, to assess their readiness and desire to come into treatment and take that task off the shoulders of the ER docs. And so that's uh, that was something that really became vital during COVID, trying to keep the numbers of down in the ER. And we learned a lot and learned how to work with those folks much more effectively. Um, so, you know, again, this is an example of the people closest to the issues often have the best ideas of solutions. Those folks have been really um, very helpful to Fort Street in helping us understand what we need to do better. Again, uh, thinking about the opiate crisis, more than 100,000 people overdosed and died in the United States last year, over 100,000. And so many of them are young, healthy people that, um, you know, this is a terrible thing that's happened to them. And certainly Mendocino County, being the second in the state for opiate deaths, we need to do something different, and this is what we hope to do. Good morning, Carly. You're live on the air. Hi, I'm the person who called a little bit ago, um, and Miss Williams said uh, call back for some clarification. Yes. Yeah. Um, the answer that I heard didn't really answer the question. I understand that um, you don't treat mental illness, but addiction medicine specialists treat addiction and not mental illness. So the, the question wasn't really answered. And, and I, I guess my question more broadly was, Dr. Trotter listed off a large list of people who support the project, and my question are, are any of the people who are involved in the project or support it, um, are any of those people addiction medicine specialists, okay. or what do they think about it? All yeah. Yes, the okay. The, yeah. County, the county behavioral health director. Right, and the, addi- and the addiction doctor at the Mendocino County Clinics, um, Dr. Leigh also. So there are folks that do understand what we do. Um, I also think it's important to know that we are um, uh, licensed by the state, um, and so the state requires that we have certified 
uh, addiction counselors. And so we are audited annually by both the state and Partnership Health Plan. We have one more call. Good morning, Collie. You're live on the air. Good morning. Um, uh, when, uh, my family, uh, part of extended family member, what was an addict and ended up at Ford Street a few years ago. It was a place where they were able to detox um, and start their road back. Uh, they were referred out of county after that because there wasn't a way to handle the care. But eventually they got through the process and are now actually um, licensed psychologists and, and, and helping people with addiction. So to me, there's a personal story around Ford Street. And I, and I guess that the, the information you've given today about the project and the expansion is important, but I think you need to explain to the public how how the decisions around how money will be awarded will occur. Say that, that's a key say, that, issue say, that, say that again, the question? The question about how Ford Street would secure the funding through the county. What is the process? Oh, okay. How can the public right. participate? Okay, thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for the question. So right. the county is developing a request for proposal, and um, and that's likely to take another uh, 30 to 45 days. I think that's been underway for a while. And so um, I... You know, again, I haven't seen um, that, but I think the the typical way these things happen is Dr. Janine Miller's group will establish a stakeholder group of a, of people who are involved with addiction addiction services to help them uh, with this request for proposal process, and then the process will be um, released as as all county um, requests for proposals are. And then the Board of Supervisors will vote how to spend the 10% of the money. And I think that's a, an important point that um, there'll be a lot of information presented to them, but the Board of Supervisors at the end can decide that this money can go to Ford Street. And I don't want people to think that Ford Street's the answer to everything. Uh, we send people up to Humboldt County mm -hmm. for the specific uh, mentally ill. But I want people to understand, and I did not understand this myself until I became the medical director for Ford Street uh, 18 months ago, all of these people have mental health problems. There is nobody that is taking fentanyl, smoking fentanyl, using methamphetamines, drinking a bottle of alcohol every day that doesn't have mental health problems. And they take very difficult patients. Now, if you're a paranoid schizophrenic, you ought to be in Humboldt County. Um, if you're 15 years old and shooting heroin, you ought to be somewhere else. But there's an enormous amount of people that benefit from Fourth Street and a lot of the peop social problems that we have with the community um, on the street, et cetera, can be benefited by that. We have one more call. Good morning, Carly. You're live on the air. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'd like to just comment um, uh, that uh, I think it's really great that the uh, um, county and uh, that the health facilities are willing to uh, let you guys do the leadership role of the boots on the ground with no um, outside contractors hopefully coming in and spending a bunch of extra money to uh, provide a program that's like a one-size-fits-all. So I want to commend you on your leadership role on that, and I hope it goes really well. I think it's going to be really good proof. Um, the second comment I have is, I just 
I personally had volunteered at the food bank years ago uh, with the garden program, and it's just a really great program. And so I want to reach out to everyone who just feels like they want to give back to the community. If you want to volunteer, the food bank is a great place to go and do it. It's uh, it's really easy to do, and hopefully you can share ways to do that at the end of the show. I also wanted to add to uh, Marvin's dream about people who uh, we invest in here end up staying here. I know I have a friend who went through uh, the Ford program and ended up being a ranger at uh, Lake Mendocino and also uh, working at the fish hatchery. So um, those are my comments, and thank you for the show. Thank you. I I think people don't hear enough comments like that that the person that went through jail, that went through therapy, who's now a successful contractor, that went through therapy and now runs the Albertsons, you know, um, grocery store. There's a lot of success stories, but I want you to, everybody to realize this isn't an easy thing. This is some s- terrible psychological thing. You know, to have 10 overdoses and not learn from that and die from your 11th overdose, there's a lot of mental health problems here. And to me, the only way we can successfully address this is prolonged sobriety and therapy and not... Um, I think I think that's the Cadillac, and that's what we're trying to do at Ford Street is to provide many more slots so you can be sober for a long period of time, because you become a different person. Tell them about the aha moment. I didn't. I didn't. The aha moment that the counselors say that's why they all do this I, hard work. I, you know, over we've heard that that described multiple ways, um, and Hollywood does a really poor job. But it's it's um, it's. It's when you realize that your life matters and that you may have to go through excruciating change, but you deserve it. And it happens differently for different people. Um, it's, you know, we, we sometimes have the ability to procrastinate or delude ourselves or, or diminish problems and not pay attention to them. And then they overwhelm us. And um, I feel like um, we are lucky in Mendocino County to have AA, NA, you know, doctors, clinics, that when those things happen, we can point people in a direction of, of recovery because recovery is possible. I also think it's important to understand that when that happens, the people closest to the person may be completely um, confused and not supportive. And so, you know, much like um, we admire whistleblowers and their courage, I want to suggest uh, when somebody stands up and says, I, I have a problem, I, I need help, we should, we should demonstrate the same respect. And that's one thing that I'd like everybody to understand is why we need the capacity. Everybody talks about, oh, when the person is ready, you know, when I'm in Covalo on Thursdays and Fridays and Kenny says, I got a person who's ready, that's when you strike. That's when you want to, you know, shoot the, shoot the gun off and make a difference. And when they're ready, that's when you get, want to get them into detox and therapy because you can talk all you want to, but the patient has to be ready, uh, and that's when you want to be able to strike. Good morning, Carla. You're live on the air. Good morning. 
I was wondering, how do you determine the balance of, yes, implementing something to help so that the problem doesn't get worse, but also not providing so much help that you enable or it turns into a business and it grows because it does affect those people who are now on the other side sober because you do have arrested development with a lot of these people who continue to use and that affects the citizens so let me let me take a shot at that um I'm not an alcohol and, and, and drug counselor, but I'm very familiar with the training they receive. And I think the, one of the core um, aspects of that training is they are taught and encouraged not to be paternal, um, not, to, not to be codependent, but literally to foster um, self-awareness so the person can be self-sufficient. So I do understand the perception that, gosh, if you do all these things for these people, what if it doesn't work out? Another way to think about it is, what if we're just giving them the opportunity to grow? That's what we strive to do. We, you know, you can't do this for anybody. It's a heartbreak to have people, usually parents, sometimes grandmas, who want to pay for treatment for somebody who chooses not to come. It doesn't work until the person wants to choose to change. And so, again, I trust that the the state certification uh, that we use for. Um, counselors works and again um, they're really encouraged uh, to be um, folks that encourage personal growth not to take on the issues the person may have and I'll I'll tell you another uh, ICU story from uh, a month ago 22 year old lovely woman came in with acute pancreatitis and you have to drink a lot of whiskey or rum for a long period of time to inflame your pancreas to where it starts auto-digesting of your pancreas. You're having pancreatitis because you've screwed up the ducts in your pancreas and now instead of dissolving, the enzymes dissolving food in your gut, it's dissolving your own pancreas. It's terrible pain. So after terrible pain, IV morphine, three days in the ICU, in the hospital, what do you say to a 22-year-old that was abused by her father and is a drinker to try to snuff out all those uh, thoughts? She's at Ford Street doing well, and she has to be taught about all kinds of things. But to give somebody a period of sobriety that it's okay and you've gone through a lot of trauma in your childhood, but here's a place to be sober and heal is... Um, there is no other substitution for this 22-year-old. And I'd like to let you know that we have a few more minutes left in the show. If you'd like to give us a call, the uh, phone number is 707-895-2448. That's the call number. We could probably take maybe one or two more calls. What do we want the people to do about Measure B? I, I think <laughs> if you, ha if you have... Um, if you feel strongly about this, I would I would appreciate you um, 
voicing your support to your supervisor, you know, the member of the board of supervisors for your district. Um, people have all sorts of different levels of information and understanding around these services and if you believe this would be a good use of the sales tax that you've been paying I would appreciate you letting your know your member of the board know that good morning caller you're live on the air uh, good morning um, it sounds like you're doing a good effort and um, well I don't want to rain on the parade I just want to get back to the future and that is with the fentanyl, it's usually an accidental exposure because it's it's contaminating across the board all sorts of substances. And if we're looking where the science is going in terms of addiction treatment, as um, you'll see that it may be in the beginning stages in in terms of institutional medicine, but the um, psilocybin microdosing is um, proving to be uh, somewhat effective in perhaps one or two um, psychological uh, sessions. Uh, we could be at the um, early stage, such as with um, uh, marijuana was with um, 420. I mean, there's good and bad as far as that, one would say. Okay. But good, um, good point. You know, uh, I'd be happy to talk about that just for a moment because we're almost through with the show. Is um, I think Boonville does have a uh, psilocybin um program and i think there's some fascinating work and papers that have been done about using lsd and microdosing for depression um and i think that's a great adjunct i think suboxone is a wonderful drug just a wonderful drug to take people off of opiates but that still doesn't get you sober and therapy which i think is the basis of everything should we take one more call okay Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, hi. I had a question for the uh, the, the Ford Street people. Okay. If, if you had an addict in your hands and they said they were ready to go to detox at that moment, what number would you call to bring to bring them directly? Great, Great to question. Turn Great question. So four six two six two nine zero is the recovery center 462-6290 yes okay and and tell them what happens when you call so it it really is helpful if that you have the if the person calls we need the person to call but again if you're an advocate for the person and helping them it's it's fine that you're there too they have to ask some questions to assure that the person is who they say they are and they're eligible and all that so there's a bit of a screening process um done over the phone and then um if a bed is available, they make arrangements again what we're struggling with right now is we've been full because we the the needs outstripping our capacity so we we then give you the next um available slot we can treat a thousand more people over the next 10 years with the measure b money and to me that doesn't matter what you know, race class occupation 
age, anything. We need to be able to better treat the enormous amount of problems that we have with alcohol and drugs in this community. And we need to do something prevention-wise, which is why I want the best elementary schools in the county. Thank you, KZYX. Thank you, KZYX. Join KZYX. Give a monthly donation like I do. Thank you, Eddie, for doing the show. Thank you, Jackie Williams, Executive Director of Ford Street, for the wonderful work you do. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.